It's time to have lunch and talk sports. The Jeff Dantzler Show on the Superstations. Good afternoon and welcome to Lunchtime in Athens from America's greatest college town, Athens, GA. Hello, Central Georgia. Big thumbs up going out to Macon and Montezuma. Warner Robbins, hey, that's where our producer Chris Rogers is from. To Perry and to Fort Valley. Is anybody listening to that Bucky's parking lot right now? Down into Pinehurst, Rochelle. Mr. Bill Shanks, of course, his hometown of Waycross. Blackshear, Eastman, Cochran, Hawkinsville, Tifton, Ashburn, Cordell, and Unadilla. And down on the coast, all our friends at Savannah. Out to Tybee Light, Wilmington Island, down into Brunswick. And the Golden Isles, St. Simon, Sea Island, Jekyll Island. To the 912, the 478, the 229. From the 706, along with Mr. Chris Rogers, our superb producer, I'm Jeff Dantzler. Phone numbers if you'd like to join us today, 478-646-3776. That's 478-646-ESPN. Shoot me a tweet today if you'd like, at Jeff Dantzler TV. Let me know where you're listening from. Yeah, we've had tweets and listeners from all across Georgia, Florida, Alabama, North Carolina, South Carolina, Mississippi, New Orleans, Texas, out west in the Arizona, Pennsylvania, Vermont, Virginia, Maryland, up in the mid-Atlantic area, up north, D.C., New York City, Chicago, you name it. This show, the Bill Shank Show, all of our interviews, simply go to thesuperstations.com. It's an easy download. You can stream it, listen live, and you can download the interviews in podcast form if you'd like. And as I emphasize being a common idiot when it comes to technology, if I can do it, so can you. And I know my lovely bride, Emily, she likes to listen to podcasts. So on her way to and from work, hey, somebody's got to make the money around here. She likes to listen to some of the interviews. Of course, Bill's always got great ones. And had a terrific one with Malcolm Mitchell earlier this week. and got another great one today. I was going to give him a break here for a couple of months, but some very happy news for my cohort, the great Kevin Butler. His iconic teammate, Steve Mongo McMichael, has been elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, of course, he was one of the great stalwarts on that Chicago Bears defensive front from the 46 defense, played on that defensive line along with Dan Hampton, William the Refrigerator Perry, and Richard Dent. Uh, Steve went on. He did some pro wrestling. He was a tag team partner of the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, and uh, just a, a beloved character. And he has been battling ALS, uh, just the most dreaded of diseases, and just so happy for Steve and for all of his Bears teammates that he gets the news. He will be Canton-bound. Way to go, Steve at Mike. So we're going to talk about that with KB and talk all things Super Bowl. It might just mention those 85 Bears and that 46-10 victory over the New England Patriots, you know, if it crosses our minds. All right. Let's talk some Georgia football here because the Bulldogs got a pickup from a graduate transfer Tight end from Stanford, Benjamin Urasek. And this is a good pickup. And by the, I'm not a fan of the portal. Well, you ought to be able to transfer. That's fine, but you should have to sit out of here. All right? But I did like when they put in the rule a few years ago about the graduate transfer. If you've graduated, then you can leave and go. If you're pursuing a second degree, you can go to a school that offers that. And Urasek. A grad transfer. Uh, for his career at Stanford, 108 catches, 
1,342 yards, five TDs. Uh, two years ago, he had 658 yards on 43 catches. Last year, he was injured, had 239, 16 receptions. And that's just adding some depth and some experience. Of course, Superman is off to the NFL, one of the great players in Georgia history, one of the great tight ends to ever play college football, the great Brock Bowers. Georgia's got Oscar Delt back, Lawson Lucky, who battled injuries as a true freshman but got his feet wet and played late in the season, a lot of potential there. Uh, Pierce Sperlin actually had a reception in the Orange Bowl, but he too had a nice run after the catch. He too uh, battled injuries. So there's some good talent there, some good depth there. But what this is going to do is give Georgia some experience and depth at the tight end position. Uh, two incoming freshmen as well, Jaden Rodell, who's from Missouri, Colton Heinrich out of Cardinal Gibbons down in South Florida. So the numbers are good there at tight end, but I like this experience. I'm thinking maybe an Eli Wolf type player who stepped in in 2019 and was a, a great counterpuncher to Charlie Werner at that tight end spot. So just a, a nice little addition there for the Bulldogs. And by the way, the dogs also recruiting well. They're one of the top prospects in the state for next year's class, Elias Williams from down in Camden County. Looks like Darnell Washington Jr., 6'7", 250. Also a heck of a basketball player. And on Kirby Smart's staff, he's got a lot of great coaches. And up at the top of the list, Todd Hartley, He's not just one of the best young coaches in the business. He is one of the best assistant coaches in college football and the best tight ends coach. And Todd just keeps assembling the talent. So, again, a very, very nice pickup here. And Stanford, they play a, a physical style of football. So you've got to think that he's going to fit in perfectly here at the University of Georgia with the Bulldogs. All right, Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. You know, we've talked about it ad nauseum with the San Francisco 49ers. They've been the most consistent team in the NFC over the last half decade. Second Super Bowl trip in the last five years. Four trips to the NFC Championship game over the last five years. And it's a rematch of the 2019 season with the Kansas City Chiefs. And, of course, for Kansas City, four Super Bowls in five years. As you know, only the New England Patriots from 14 to 18 did that. The Patriots won it in 14, 16, and 18. And now Kansas City trying to win it in 19, 22, and 23. Trying to make it three out of five and to become the first team to repeat as Super Bowl champions since the Patriots back in 2003 and 2004. Five Georgia Bulldogs in this Super Bowl, including Charlie Werner, who had a tremendous NFC championship game for the San Francisco 49ers. So you're talking 23 straight years with at least one Bulldog in the Super Bowl, going back to Richard Seymour when he was a rookie with the Patriots back in 2001 and was such a huge part of that dynasty. Uh, the numbers again, if you'd like to join us, 478-646-3776. That's 478-646-ESPN. Hermie is curled up right next to me in her spot. Albus is hanging out in the living room, and Emily's finishing up her exercises as we enjoy a Friday afternoon here in Athens. All right, hoops coming up this weekend. It was a tough trip to Starkville, but hopefully 
good news for the men in Fayetteville tomorrow. And the Lady Dogs, a high noon tip-off against the Vanderbilt Commodores. Opening day for Georgia softball is today. The Georgia baseball team, first pitch next Friday against UNC Asheville. And I can't wait. So a week from today, I'll be sitting in the Frank and Carol Beltran radio booth with David Johnston, getting ready to roll for the 2024 baseball season. And, of course, we'll have our Valentine's Day extravaganza. Valentine's Day is Wednesday. That's when pitchers and catchers report. So Bill Shanks will be a very happy man at breaking down every roster position for the Atlanta Braves down in spring training. And uh, Chris Rogers will have his list fully put together of the best, the cheesiest, and the greatest of love songs. And I know there are going to be some epic monster ballads thrown in there. I would like to especially request The Flame by Cheap Trick. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, thanks so much for being with us here today. I'll check the tweets here in just a moment. Thank you to J-Rad. He is a uh, great, great listener and a great, great Georgia fan. And, oh, here's the good one. He wants me to ask KB how strong Walter Payton was in the weight room. That's pretty cool. Oh, and our buddy Cut said he actually had a class with him at Texas in 77, 78. Sat with him in the dining hall a few times. He was a beast. What a great, great player. And so happy for Steve Mongo McMichael. Big hello to my mom listening in in Statesboro. My dad and my stepmom, Patty, over in Hilton Head. And in Savannah, my Uncle Joe got us dialed in on 104.3. And I'm quite sure that Milo, Ali, Larry Legend, and Chardonnay Sharon, they've got their ears on down on the banks of Lake Sinclair. Sharon, excited for a new high school football season to kick off next August. All right, having a great Friday afternoon here in America's greatest college town, Athens, GA. It's lunchtime in Athens here on the Superstations. Now, back to the Jeff Dantzler Show on the Superstations. I got a fever of 103. What in the world is happening in Las Vegas? Can you imagine? Vegas is always over the top. It is double over the top for Super Bowl weekend. I still contend there's some Vegas regulars that go out there for the Super Bowl every year that are not happy that the game's being there. It's kind of clogging some things up. And I was always told, I've never been to a Super Bowl, that – they're around four to five times as many people in town that actually attend the game just for all the events and the parties, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And however many people visit Vegas every day, was it 10 to 15,000 daily? Now you got an extra half million people rolling in, but they got the hotels. My buddy, David Dukes, who's been a, Guest on this show, Georgia Bulldog Great, he is in the hotel business, was telling me that the average cost of a room for all the, I don't know, whatever it is, 330 hotels in Las Vegas. And this is counting, I'm talking the low, low, low ends all the way up to the Bellagio and the Wynn and Caesars was over $500. And in the business, they said the previous high was in Miami. 
the average room rate was around 250. And again, you got to understand this is considering metro and low end type places. So I pulled up uh, earlier this week what a room was at the Venetian, which is a very nice hotel built on uh, shattered dreams and bad luck at the tables. And it was for trying to think how it went for tomorrow night for Saturday night. Callie, today's Friday. Yes, I think it was for Saturday night, 949, game day night, 2599, and for Monday night, 949, and I think tonight was 949. So basically, you got a $2,500 night and nearly a $1,000 night, and that is not counting the resort fees that you pay. And that's, let me see if I can get an update on this. Just bear with me. All right, let's see. Check in on 2-9. Here we go. All right. What's the date today? The 9th? Yeah, they've actually, uh, hmm, it's interesting. Rates have dropped down a little bit. That's interesting. Hmm, down to about 700. They're sold out for tomorrow night. I think that's another thing with Vegas, too. It's pretty easy to pop in and out. I wonder if if many people are doing that, you know, popping over from Los Angeles or from Phoenix. And, by the way, the Phoenix Open is this week as well. So KB hopefully is going to join us shortly. He's actually on a business call that ran long. How dare he put us off on the superstations for business? Okay. Uh, I wanted to address one thing with the – drama that continues to surround Dylan Riola and the story that's out there is his father Dominic was a great player for the Lions and a longtime teammate of Matthew Stafford and that's where the initial connection came with Stafford in Georgia and Dom was a great player at Nebraska and of course that's where Dylan's going and this story that Kirk Herbstreet came out and I don't know about came out, but talked to, to Ryola and said, hey, if you're thinking about this, go ahead and flip to Nebraska. It's in the blood. And in the end, that's probably where he should have gone in the first place, where his dad went. My reaction to that is, who cares? If Kirk Herbstreet talked to his dad, who cares? He can't make the kid make that decision. I mean, Dylan Ryola's verbally committed to three schools. He finally signed with Nebraska, and he went to four different high schools. Good luck. Hope he does well at Nebraska. And it's not one of those, hey, believe that the kid's super talented. Do I wish he'd have signed with Georgia? Sure, absolutely. But was not heartbroken when he did. So wish him nothing but the best. And maybe a lot of us will be wrong and he'll never enter the transfer portal. The But, yeah, who cares if Kirk Herbstreet talked to Riola's dad and encouraged him to do it. He can't make him do anything. So, you know, if you don't like Kirk Herbstreet for whatever reason, that's fine. But I, I wouldn't lose a wink of sleep over this. I would promise you that Kirby Smart's not. Uh, the line's still sitting at two, two and a half. The total for the game, 47 and a half. And that is held dead solid. So, again, you know, 24 23 would be 47. 25-23, that would play chaos with the squares, wouldn't it? 
to have a five thrown in there. That's good if you get to 35. So 27, 23, 27, 24, 24, 21. I, I think the game's going to go over. Just when you talk about the height and play it on a fast track like this, kind of compare it to what you see in the, in the major bowl games that are in domes or an SEC championship game. And these teams both have terrific defenses. I, I would say Kansas City's is very, very, very good, and the, and the 49ers is great. But they're on a fast carpet like that. Guys are going to make plays, whether it's a scoop, fumble, returns. They're just going to be big plays that tend to short set up short field. So even if somebody's playing good defense, if both teams are playing good defense, you just get the feeling that, that points are going to be scored. Now, I say that there's always the 13-3 to game with the Patriots and the Rams, and maybe it'll be something like that. Uh, a, a big key, I think, just breaking it down, big picture, is going to be the Chiefs' run defense. As you know, the 49ers are going to try and run that ball, and McCaffrey is the lead dog. And I would imagine, let's see, I'm going to pull up the MVP odds. I would think he is the second best bet to win Super Bowl MVP behind Mahomes. Okay, here we go. Super Bowl MVP odds. All right. Uh, actually, he's third, so Purdy is second. I just My thinking is for San Francisco, and, and Purdy's going to have to make plays for them to win. For San Francisco to win, it, it's going to be one of those years where they have to win the Super Bowl with him, not because of him. So McCaffrey's third. I would think McCaffrey would be a better bet there. So he's plus 450. That means if you walk to the window in Vegas and said, I want to bet on Christian McCaffrey to be MVP, if you gave him a $100 bill, it would pay you 450 So if McCaffrey wins MVP, you'd walk back and he'd collect 550 bucks. Kelsey is the fourth favorite. But I just think for Kelsey, it's when I have a hard time seeing – him winning it, not Mahomes. Uh, Debo Samuel is fifth. And that's one where you could see Debo winning it, kind of like Heinz Ward, because he can do so many things. Uh, he could have a big run, a big catch. Isaiah Pacheco and Rice for Kansas City, they're next. Kittle, Ayuk. See, Nick Bosa, now that's one. He's plus 7,500. Now, could a defensive guy, I think like a Fred Warner, defensive guy comes up with three sacks, gets a safety, a strip sack, and fumble. I, I could see a defensive player potentially winning this, but Mahomes is a pretty heavy, heavy favorite. He's plus 125, so that's close to being even money. And then Purdy, plus 235, and McCaffrey, plus 450. I would, uh, if you think San Francisco's going to win the game, I think McCaffrey might be the way to go. And for Purdy, the key is going to be just do not turn the football over. As I would, th I think a, a plus one slash minus one turnover differential is not going to kill you. But I think if you get to a differential of two, 
just the, the, the if you're minus two, the odds of winning are slim. Very, very slim. And both of these defenses are so good. And, again, there could always be a free – well, we chunked a Hail Mary at the end of the half and the other guy intercepted it. But if it's plus two, minus two, whoever's on the plus two side is going to win. All right. Well, love talking Super Bowl and love talking Hall of Fame. And, of course, love talking to one of my childhood heroes, his autograph that I got back in 1983, sits here in my museum office. He's been wheeling and dealing, doing business, probably talking to folks in Sin City, Canton, and Chicago. The legend himself, the great Kevin Butler, joins us. And, KB, congratulations to your good friend, the great Steve Mongo McMichael. He is Canton-bound. I know you and your Bears teammates. KB, you got to be over the moon. Well, we really are, Jeff. Great to hear hear your voice, and I uh, hope you're doing well. But, yeah, it was a uh... – very special night last night um, for Steve and for, more importantly, all his teammates and all the people that have supported him. Um, Steve is truly in a battle for his life. Um, he is um, has ALS, and, um, he, you know, it's a very debilitating disease. But Steve has been um, fighting it, and I think one thing that has really kept his fight going um, for him mentally is the opportunity to uh, make it to the greatest honor that you can have being in the pro football hall of fame. And, and last night it was a, it was great to, to kind of be there with him streaming. Um, when they announced it on TV, a lot of teammates were at the house. Uh, his wife, uh, Misty has really been uh, the backbone of that push and um, it all came through. I, I was just so proud of him because as a football player, um, there was nobody I ever played with that was tougher, that was more prepared uh, to play his position uh, than Steve McMichael was. You know, he was the consummate pro. He was uh, all about uh, just winning. And his uh, kind of his mantra, what he did was, you know, you had to go out there and it was a physical fight and you had to beat your opponent down. And and he did that. Uh, he did that uh, as good as anybody did between the 80s and 90s. And last night, the uh, uh, all the former players and writers and everybody uh, took a look at it and said he deserved to be in and, and named him into the class. And it was a, a big cheer went up. Uh, you could see a little bit of movement in Steve's face. Uh, he knew what was going on. He can he can hear. He understands everything that's going on around him. He just can't um, get involved in that. Uh, but he certainly uh, has his, his his brain and uh, his ears, and um, he certainly has feelings. And you can see he was moved last night. And I think that's a great example and how that determination and that toughness, what he had as a player, and how in many ways this drive and this goal of getting to pro football's ultimate destination there has kept him going. And uh, when you and I were talking about it, when he was up for it, I guess we were talking about this towards the end of the Bulldogs season there and just saying, my goodness, I hope it goes through this year. Uh, because and as he is just fighting the most dreaded of diseases for somebody who did so much for the game, who was such a great character, uh, you want him to be around 
when he gets that award. So I'm just so happy. Like you said, Kevin, not just for him, but for his family and to all of his teammates. And you guys are so close-knit. I mean, in many ways, it's like a, a great class from a college team that you all got to see him experience that joy. Yeah, I think that's what we all uh, knew. You know, I, I, Steve was probably uh, my, my closest friend on the team. Um, not only was he a great football player, but every Christmas he would be at my house dressed up as Santa Claus on Christmas morning and, and, and freak my kids out. And uh, he, he didn't have children at the time, um, but you knew he was going to be that, that kind of a father. And, and he certainly has a, a young teenage daughter now that um, is by his side and has helped take care of him. And um, it was unfortunate that, you know, he can't be as active as a parent as he would love to be. Um, that disease has taken that away from him. But um, to give great memories uh, for the family, for his daughter, to be able to look back um, on what their father was, what their husband was, um, and know that, uh, you know, his mind is still there. And it's just, uh, it, it, it's tough, but it was also um, just fun, joyful, a lot of laughing, a lot of, uh, you know, highlights. Uh, and, and Steve was surrounded by his family and friends. And you couldn't ask for a better situation. When you get named to the Hall of Fame, you hope you are around family and friends and not sitting in a room by yourself. But uh, it was a big night for Chicago. Uh, not only did Steve McMichael get in, but Devin Hester. Um, that uh, I hear in, in Atlanta, a lot of a lot of people claim him as a, a Atlanta Falcon. Though he wore a, he wore a Falcon helmet for a little bit. The, the the man was a Chicago Bear, and he'll go in as a Chicago Bear. Okay, B. That team not only was it so great, and I think what makes it so special to so many people, the characters on there. Of course, there's Walter Payton, the greatest running back. When I think about the players that just epitomize the greatness of the 85 Bears, Mike Singletary, uh, you had Jim McMahon at quarterback, quite a character, the phenomenon of the fridge. KB, literally, from your mullet to your foot, a huge part of that team. In many ways, though, and I think about guys like Wilbur Marshall and Dan Hampton and Richard Dent, Notice Wilson, so many great players there. Did Steve McMichael, though, just epitomize this team and what the 85 Bears were all about on and off the field as much as any player on that great team? Yeah, I mean, he was um, he was that consummate pro. I mean, he was the guy that uh, anything he could do, he would do to help the team. Um, a lot of people don't know this, Steve was my backup place kicker, as funny as it may sound. Um, we had the square toe always in the kicking bag in case something happened, and Steve would step out there and and assume the kicking role. And um, there was a couple of preseason games where he enacted that and uh, you know, kind of tapped the, the other kicker on the shoulder and said, I'll be doing this one. And then as a kicker, you, you, you turn around and you look at Steve McMichael and you say, yes, sir. I mean, what, what are you going to say? You go, you know, hope you make it. <laughs> um, but he was always there. Um, he was the guy that did 550 on the bench press, and he would do close, close grips. So what that means Ooh. is everybody always gets in that bench press position. Your, your arms are out wide. Well, he would come into where his thumbs touched. Oh, boy. And do, do 550 from a, from a close grip grip do five pushes at 550 and then get off and 
he'd just flex that arm and ask me to pinch the back of his arm. And, you know, it was like trying to pinch a steel pole. Uh, nothing, <laughs> nothing was going to give. And uh, he says, you know, that, that's where I've got to hit guys. If my arms are, are way wide, um, you know, that means I'm on my back trying to push somebody off of me. You know, the, my physical part comes from inside out. And, and, you know, and he worked on that, you know, certainly not as technical as uh, they are now with all the, uh, you know, everything you do to make yourselves a little better. I mean, Steve was kind of old school, and, and, and he knew how to get himself into the best shape possible, and he did it. And, you know, fun part, he gets done with football, turns around and jumps in the WEW, and, and you know, he's one of the four horsemen with uh, Ric Flair and uh, had a crazy probably 10- or 12-year run in the wrestling world and um you know he lived a full life that's uh one thing he always said before he got to the point where communicating is hard um he always looked at me and said don't ever treat me different um it's going to be me inside just i'm not going to be the guy that i used to be but i've worn my body out already um so he he wasn't scared about that he wasn't uh fearful of that situation um he took it on just like he took on every challenge that he had from the day he was let go as a rookie by the Patriots um, until he retired um, with the Green Bay Packers of all teams. I have to throw in this story as well, KB. We were on the field prior to one of the SEC championship games, and the nature boy himself, the great Ric Flair, was down there. Next thing I know, you're up talking to him. And you guys are, are doing a FaceTime call with Steve McMichael. Uh, that could have been a TV show all in itself there. Kevin Butler, Ric Flair, and Steve McMichael. That was pretty epic stuff that day. Yeah, it was. You know, and uh, you know, Rick has been an unbelievable um, channel of support for Steve and, and Misty and um, bringing a lot of wrestlers uh, that, that got to know Steve as a teammate um, during then. But uh, Rick has always been there to help raise funds. Uh, to do whatever he could do to support Steve. And that's just another example. Um, I knew he had been up uh, seeing Steve uh, like two weeks before. We ran into each other up there um, seeing Steve one day. And then uh, when we saw each other at the championship, we're like, let's let's give Steve a call. And, you know, those are the little things that I think give Steve a lot of um, strength um, that, um, you know, he's remembered, he, he's appreciated, and, and his friends are always there to, uh, to, to love on him and, and hold his hand and and just let him know that you support him because that's um that's about the only few ways you can do it. Kevin, for first time Super Bowl participants, and of course you were a rookie in 1985. What's going through their heads right now for for the first timers? Obviously, this is old hat to Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. But if you're a first-timer, if you're a rookie, or gosh, if you've been in the league 12, 15 years and you've finally gotten that opportunity, as we start to now really zero in, we were just over 48 hours away from the game, what in the world are you thinking about? Yeah, I think it's getting real right now. You know, um, you go through the motions. They try to, even though you're in Vegas, they, they still give you, you know, that they want that week to be as normal as possible. So you're still getting your, your probably your Tuesdays off, your Mondays kind of a, you know, recovery, uh, start to get ready, get your game plan. But when it gets to be Thursday evening, you know, you, you're you're in the game mode at that point. And I think you start to realize the 
um, size of the game that you're playing in, uh, what you're playing for. You start to recognize that you have that opportunity that you dream about uh, from a from a young kid. And especially as a rookie, you know, you start to talk about and you start to try to get in your mind that you're going to have the perfect game. Uh, you, this is a game where you need to have a perfect game. And uh, does that always happen? Absolutely not. But I think when you go in as a player – and you're um, demanding perfection of yourself uh, to where it's a productive demand, not not a, a something that would deter you or or make you nervous. Uh, but the opportunity to be perfect on the biggest stage is something that um, you know can make or break you. To be honest with you, and that and that's something that you just don't know how many shots you'll get at it. You know, I I, I got one my my rookie year. Um, and, you know, it looked like, boy, we're going to be doing this for quite a while, and we never made it back. And uh, that's that's just how tough it is to get there. So Thursday night, you know, you're crawling in bed. You're starting to dream about big plays. You're starting to dream about victory. And um, then you also start to be thankful. You need to be thankful and, and just relish the moment because it's it's awful hard to get there, especially with the NFL nowadays. You know, they want every team to be 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine right. at the end of the season. and anybody can win it and um that's kind of the the game you're in now so you you take advantage of it and it it certainly starts on thursday evening when you were laying there in bed the week of the game thinking about it were you hoping thinking all right i I want this to come down to me making a kick to win the game Uh, is there a part of you going hey i hope we beat them 46 to 10 and and that's what happened or did you try not to spend time getting caught up in the what ifs? No, I, I, I spent time uh, dreaming about that moment. I mean, I think you have to. Um, and I was fighting some demons, buddy. That, that had not been the nicest, um, nicest of stadiums to to me in college. Nice. You know, uh, mm. I'd had some trouble down there. I'd, I'd missed some kicks, and you know, it was something that we had lost championships. Um, and, you know, when you go to a place like that, you know, that's probably I was wishing we were going to be playing in the Rose Bowl or something. <laughs> I didn't. I would have not picked, you know, New Orleans to go back down there um, just because of being a little superstitious. And and then, you know, losing to Penn State, losing to Pittsburgh, and mm. all of a sudden I'm, I'm playing another team from the north. And um, But, you know, those nights you still you still dream about that winning kick. I think you have to if you're, if you're a kicker and you're going to be successful. You have to embrace that moment. You have to, to be in that moment. You have to hope for that moment. So when it comes, um, you're not surprised. You're not you're not wowed. You're going, I'm ready for this. You know, I know exactly what it's going to feel like. I know exactly what I'm going to do, and that's what I'm going to go out there and do. The moment cannot be bigger than the opportunity, and the opportunity is to, you know, be a strong kicker every time. Kevin, talking about the, the 85 Bears, you guys came close but didn't get back. One of the things I think where college does have the advantage, whether you're talking about the Final Four, whether you're talking about the national championship game, there's a chance that the two best teams wind up playing each other for the title. That doesn't always happen, but sometimes it does. In the pros sometimes, the two best teams might be in the same conference. Now, there, there were some years the Yankees and the Red Sox had the two best teams. They can't play each other in the World Series. And in your prime with the Bears, the NFC 
was so insanely good with the 49ers dynasty, with Joe Gibbs winning three Super Bowls with Washington, with the Giants and Bill Parcells, with you guys, it is pretty nuts to think all four of those franchises, and it's not like the Eagles weren't any good. You know, it's not like Minnesota wasn't any good. That all four of those franchises were, were just powerhouses at, at, at the same time in that same era. Yeah, you know, it, it really goes back to how teams were built. Um, I think back then, and I think when you got on a run and you you had team team players and teams come together and start to gel. I think that's something that we used to talk about and hear about. You know, when the ESPN days started, you, you know, you knew who was going to be on the bulk of your roster each year. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a whole lot of movement. Um, you know, players would be there. You would get new guys through the draft, maybe one or two free agents. But we really didn't have free agency until probably my third or fourth year. So, you know, you had to build a team and you had to, to stick with that team and you had to develop them. And I think that's what Buddy Ryan did, and that's certainly what Ed Hughes, our our offensive coordinator, and Coach Ditka, that's what they did and that's what they built. And, you know, they, they really did feel in my year, my rookie year, that they needed a, a new kicker um, just because I think at that point Bob Thomas had – and missed a couple of key field goals, but he was still coming off his best year ever at, I think, almost 85%, which was damn near unheard of back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was more than just a, a kicker. They needed a, a new attitude in that position, and um, that gave me a chance. And, you know, at that point, um, you know, you, you'd, you wouldn't just fire a kicker. You, you, you know, I was lucky that Mike Dicka stood by me um, when I had some tough days, and I had a lot of tough days up there in Chicago, just weather-wise and conditions, um, but it wasn't something that, you know, they were snap judgment or they could turn around and go just go get somebody off the street and pull them in. I think today you, you have, you know, your, your free agency and your channels for more players, especially in the kicking position, uh, is plentiful, and, you know, you have to be – 85 to 95 percent of a successful kicker now or you're not even getting into camp so it's it's kind of crazy but the difference as you were saying uh jeff is is you know they built teams they stuck with teams they developed players and chicago was really gelling um the year before when they got beat um they got beat by frisco in 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 the championship or or yeah what the championship and um you know, they knew and they talked about it in April, and that was my first meeting that I went to, um, that they were about winning the championship this year and nothing was going to stop them. And I'm telling you, I walked out of that room, and I was as fired up as I'd ever been, and I knew it was real. I'd been in situations that were real before, and uh, I knew that that locker room and that meeting room um, was no BS, man. They were they were they had their <laughs> eyes set on one thing, and uh, – uh, they made a physical statement the year before when they played the Raiders, probably in one of the most physical, um, meanest games in NFL history. Um, four quarterbacks got knocked out. Maybe even six quarterbacks got knocked out. And the game was finished with Walter Payton, a quarterback for the Bears, and I think Ray Guy was quarterback for the Raiders. Um, <laughs> it, it was that mean and that violent, and that was the game that they always talked about 
and I wasn't there, but that was the game they always talked about when they they flipped the, the table on the Raiders and the Bears became that physical team that you did not want to play that the Raiders had held from you know most of the 70s. That's a great story. Walter Payton and Ray Guy at quarterback. All right, speaking of, KB, before we let you go, our buddy Jay Rad, diehard dog fan, he tweeted in a question. J.D., ask KB how strong was Peyton in the weight room. Huh. I don't think I ever saw him there. Um, he uh, No, Walter was not a weight room guy, but you, his house, he had, a, he had a great weight room. He had the, uh, he had the, the sand hills out back that everybody, he would take everybody over there one point in your career, and, and, you know, and he'd say, you know, if I'm not there on Tuesday and Wednesday, this is where I'll be. Come work out with me if you want to. And, yeah, I never chose that because that was just a dreadful hill to run up. Probably I think I made it one and a half times before I threw up, and um, that was that was a kicker record, he said. No kicker had ever made it past one. Um, but he was a consummate pro. He was always ready. Uh, but, no, you, 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 you didn't have any conversations with him in the, in the weight room. Awesome stuff, KB. Uh, who do you think wins this game? I'm going to give you my take. I think Vegas is telling you San Fran's going to win, but Mahomes is an underdog three straight. Just looking at the quarterback matchups, I'm pulling for Charlie Werner here. I, I just have a hard time going against Mahomes. San Fran favored by two. If you're going up to the window in Vegas, you know, betting with uh, Drew's hard-earned $20, who are you putting that uh, that $20 bill on Sunday? Well, I'm gonna I'm putting it on Kansas City, and and the reason is you know big games. I just look at the quarterback, and um, you know big quarterbacks win the big games, and not that Purdy has not had a great year, and and he really has. He's he's done well, but you know the 49ers in the last two games have really put themselves in some situations. They they kind of fall behind, and and, and then they you know, all of a sudden shut down the team and make a big catch-up. I just don't see you shutting down Kansas City. So Kansas City goes out there and, and jumps on San Francisco like San Francisco's letting teams do right now, and plus that's what Kansas City likes to do. Um, I think it would be very hard for Kansas City to catch back up. I mean, for San Francisco to catch back up to Kansas City if they do fall behind. I just, again, i, I got to go with Kansas City, uh, Mahomes, um Gosh, Taylor Swift. I mean, they got. <laughs> oh, KB, you're the best. I appreciate the time and congratulations again to, to you and all your teammates on the great Steve McMichael headed to Canton in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Couldn't be happier for him. Send out big love to him. Thank you. All right, KB, you're the best. Appreciate it. We will say goodbye to Hollywood after this timeout. Great stuff, as always, from the. Rookie scoring record holder from the Super Bowl, the one and only Kevin Butler, scored 14 points with three field goals and five PATs in the 46-10 victory of the New England Patriots back in January of 1986, almost 40 years ago. How about that? Uh, having a great time. It's the Friday before the Super Bowl on the Superstations. Now, back to the Jeff Dantzler Show on the Superstations. Save it, but it's burning a hole. 
John Anderson? Nope. Who you got? George Jones. George Jones, the possum. Good stuff. That is great, George Jones. Good stuff. Not quite as strong with the country. Pretty good, but obviously uh, you threw a fastball past me right there. Albus and Hermie are hanging out right here, getting a good rest in. Uh, love the interview there with Kevin Butler. Of course, you can go to thesuperstations.com if you'd like to listen to it again or tell all your friends to go and enjoy it. We're talking about his era. They're back in the NFC from 81 through 91. So basically before the Cowboys run with Jimmy Johnson started with their first of three Super Bowls in four years with Aikman and Emin and Irvin and those great offensive lines. Eleven straight years, it was either the Niners, Washington, the Giants, or the Bears in the Super Bowl. Pretty impressive stuff there. I got a couple of tweets to get to. Uh, UGA eleven ninety five question. I use my Dwight Schrute voice there. Uh, greatest Super Bowl team. I've got the seventy five Steelers, but then again, I'm a Steelers fan. The Steelers. That's who I cheered for growing up. Mean Joe Green, the Coke commercial. Dad, who's that guy? Who's he play for? So well, that's going to be my team, and that was right in their heyday. I think those Steelers teams from the seventies. That that's the best football team I've seen over a period. They won four Super Bowls in six years. And a lot of NFL fans will tell you they might have been at their very best during their famed reign of terror in 1976 when they started the season one and four and then won nine in a row, just demolishing the opposition. But And half the starters were Hall of Famers, Bradshaw, Franco, Stallworth, Swan, Mike Webster, and, of course, Mejo Green, Elsie Greenwood, Lambert, Ham, Mel Blunt, Donnie Shell, just – Incredible. So I, I still I would put those Steelers teams, with all due respect to the, the 72 and 73 Dolphins, the Niners of 84, the Niners of the late 80s, those Cowboys teams in the early 90s. But I think for a one-time team, one team, one year, I would go with the 85 Bears. And I also think of Jim McMahon, and I've asked Kevin this before, had McMahon not been hurt on just that, vicious play from Charles Martin, which was completely unnecessary. I think they would have gotten back. They just never had McMahon fully healthy again, and they just couldn't quite solve the quarterback position. But yeah, those Steelers teams from 74 to 79, that would still get the nod in my book, in my book. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, for being with us. And Dr. Doug, hey, thank you, Dr. Doug. He says 85 Bears as well. So you're both right. You're both right. All right. Good pickup for the dogs at tight end. Congratulations, Steve McMichael and all the Hall of Famers. I appreciate the great Kevin Butler being with us. We're back with you on Monday. I got to make a pick. Chiefs 25, 49ers 26. Niners somehow win by one, but Chiefs cover. What a coward's way out. See you Monday, reliving the Super Bowl. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Superstation.